I see the reason that we do these take-home assignments more for getting a better idea of someone's process. Like, that's why I personally, when I ran my hiring process, we did do a take-home assignment. We did pay for it, though. Welcome to Design Life, a podcast about design and side projects for motivated creators. I'm Femke. And I'm Charlie. And today's episode topic actually comes by way of a tweet from Femme that I saw on my timeline and it was getting a lot of traction. There's a lot of people talking about it and I wanted to chime in and thought, you know what, I'm going to hold off and let's make this an episode. <laughs> let's talk about it live on Design Life so that we can like actually have a conversation about this. And the topic is design interviews and the process that involves take-home assignments, and whiteboard challenges, etc. Um, I'm just going to read your tweet, Fem. This Please might do. be weird for you, but Go I want to give it. a bit more context. <laughs> so Fem tweets, I'm hearing more and more designers resistant to the extensive interview process with take-home assignments, whiteboard challenges, one-hour portfolio presentations, etc. This can be exhausting and feel like a full-time job. Does this need to change? How could this be improved? Of course, with a topic like this, there was a bunch of replies. There's a bunch of thoughts and like dissenting opinions sometimes shared in the thread, but... Yeah, in today's episode, Fem and I are going to talk about what we think about this, what we think might need to be changed um, about the design interview process and what we could do instead. But first though, Fem, how's life? How are you doing? Yeah, uh, it's good. I am trying to get back into a bit of a like workout routine. After the 30 days of yoga, you sort of went to 30 days of no yoga. <laughs> I was like, okay, how can I keep this momentum going? You know, I want to keep being active. And so this week I tried bouldering for the first time. Ooh, was it fun? Yes. There's a climbing gym, like literally five minutes drive away from me. And I work like Eastern hours despite living in Pacific time. So I usually finish work at about two or three. And I was like, you know what? Seems like a good time of the day to like check out the climbing gym when it's kind of quiet and sort of like the middle of the afternoon. So I went and I had no idea what I was doing and I lasted about an hour before feeling dead and exhausted. It's a lot of work. That's impressive, honestly. (laughs) And it's been two days and I'm still sore in my shoulders and my arms and like all these weird tiny muscles and like your wrists that you never really think about. Mm. Uh, But it was really, really fun. I'm going to try to keep going even though I'm a total noob and just on like the beginner courses. But yeah, trying to bring more of that into my regular routine. Good on you, fam. That's that's very inspiring to hear. I have not done anywhere, anything anywhere near as active or like new as bouldering. <laughs> yeah, so that's been fun. And then side projects are just ticking along, honestly. I'm like trying to focus more on my community uh, and sort of like think more strategically about how my channel like can feed into the community and how I can like, you know, create more resources for community members and things like that. So really trying to like up the value of the community. Uh, And so, yeah, I've just been working on some things behind the scenes to make it so. Love that. I'm sure we're going to hear about the changes when you make them and like, I don't know, and updates on that here too. Great. (laughs) Yes, definitely. I recently did like a feedback form to my community members because it's been like, three, four months since I launched it and I wanted to get some feedback. And yeah, it's, I mean, it's such a great way to hear, like, to see the recurring themes, right? Like you see people giving the same feedback about similar things. So I'm like, okay, that's something I really need to work on and improve. Um, But it was nice. Like overall, the comments are really positive and people are enjoying it. So that made me feel good too. Good. That's always nice to hear. Yeah. Uh, How about you? How are you going? 
Well, life here in Valencia is getting very noisy. It is fire <laughs> time, which means that there's a lot of fireworks going off at all hours and the city basically is, yeah, really embracing it this year because it's the first proper one since it got canceled in March 2020. So, yeah, I'm kind of excited about the vibe that the city has, although there's way too many people here for my liking. Uh, um, interesting. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, been um, plugging away in side projects as per usual. Actually, something I did recently was make a decision to close down. Um, essentially a revenue stream, I mm. guess. Um, I decided after I don't know how many years to close down my Patreon because it just turned into this thing that honestly, like while I was really grateful for all the support of the people who supported me on Patreon, I just feel guilty about it all of the time because I wasn't posting extra content and it's on this like separate platform, right? That people are subscribing and paying you on. It's essentially like a membership. Um, and I was not posting there regularly. I was not giving them like exclusive behind the scenes or like extra content and things. And yeah, I just decided instead of feeling guilty about it constantly, why don't I just move on? Yeah, like, let it go. Let's, obviously this is not gonna work for me. I go through phases where I'm like, I'm gonna commit, I'm gonna make sure I post every single month, uh -huh. you know, make sure I do something. And like, sometimes it's time to accept that it's just not for you, you know? Totally. So yeah, I think all the people who are still on it by this point were not there for the extra content or anything, obviously, because <laughs> they weren't getting it. Um, so grateful for all of them and their support. But yeah, for my own sanity, I guess I decided to close it down. And instead, I'm offering up if people want to still support me monthly, they can become a member on my YouTube channel, yeah. which I think makes more sense because it's like on the platform that you're then consuming my content on. Um, feels less pressure to me as well. Like I'm like, cool, you can become a member, you support me, you get a little badge in the chat. Yeah, more integrated. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that's that's what I've been up to lately is uh, turning off revenue streams. <laughs> yeah. Well, and turning on because you started your mentoring true, too. True. True. Yes, good point. I forgot. Have I not talked about that on an episode yet? Maybe I did just on the last one. But yeah, that's been going really well. Spots. I've only have like six spots open per month because I'm trying not to overcommit and they've all been filling up. So that's been super exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, closing something down is always really hard, but I know it's something you were thinking about for a long time. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. yeah, I think integrating it into your existing YouTube channel platform makes a lot more sense. So yeah, it's a hard decision, but it was, I don't know why I didn't make it earlier though, <laughs> but hey, hindsight's <laughs> twenty twenty. whatever. Let's move on. Let's talk about design interviews. So the the conversation that basically if I can sum up a lot of the replies in your thread, um, a lot of people agree that something needs to change, right? Mm -hmm, in the design interview mm -hmm. process. It is yeah. long. Um, companies expect a lot from people, you know, doing spending hours and hours on um, assignments at home, often unpaid as well. Yep. And yeah, I that's the side of it that I, as a designer or like, you know, just as a person in this industry, I'm like something has to change there. Yeah, I really empathize for people who are interviewing at a lot of places at once. This sounds like it could easily become a full-time job, as I said in my tweet. Uh, you've got often that take-home assignment, which, you know, companies usually try to constrain a little bit and tell you not to spend more than eight hours or so on it. But let's be real, I, I've spoken to so many designers who definitely go over time on this and put a lot of extra effort into it because they want it to be, you know, really good and showcase their work really well. And then you've got the whiteboard exercises often and the sort of one hour portfolio presentation, which you do 
you know, almost every time you interview. So you're kind of redoing the same presentation and this can be really exhausting. And I especially feel for people who, you know, maybe presenting isn't a strength of theirs or a skill that they have. They don't have the time to do the take home assignment. Maybe they're busy with an existing full time job or maybe they have other like personal or family commitments and they can't create the space for it. So like I feel like it creates this bit of inequity as well of like who can actually apply and who can actually commit to the interview process. So yeah, I don't know. It's something I've been thinking a lot lately, especially as I've been talking to friends who are going through this process and who are interviewing. Um, and especially at this time where the market is really hot and there's like mm. a lot of jobs, a lot of demand for designers. And so I feel like a lot of designers I've been talking to have been getting, you know, uh, like outbound or inbound, I guess, requests from recruiters in their inbox who want them to right. apply yep. for jobs. Uh, and so like, how do you deal with that also? So yeah, I don't know. I feel like something has to change. I don't know what I will spoiler alert. I don't have the answer to it, but uh, <laughs> it is like an interesting topic to discuss. Yeah. And I, I started thinking about like, I guess I was thinking about this from both the perspective of being a designer, but also as a hiring manager and I can see how we ended up here, if that makes sense. <laughs> I can see how we got to the point where there's like long take-home assignments, whiteboard challenges, presentations, etc. Because, I, I don't know, there was a lot of people in, in the response to your tweet saying, well, you should be able to just hire off a portfolio. Like whatever someone, whatever you see mm. on their website, that should be enough to tell you that they could be hired. And like, quite frankly, that is not the case. There is a lot of people <laughs> who would not get moved forward in the hiring process if it was just based on their portfolio. Right. That's just the harsh truth. We're not very good as designers at keeping our portfolio super up to date. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We don't have the best examples sometimes, but sometimes like as I've been looking through applications, I've seen something in a portfolio, right? That made me think I, I need to see more from this person. They've, yeah. they've got something here. But if I was asked to make the decision based purely on what I saw in the portfolio, they would have been put in the no pile because right. if there's nothing else for me to go on, that's all I've got, right? Yeah. So I don't think that's the answer. I don't think the answer is we hire based just off portfolios unless we all want to commit to having a much more stressful like portfolio creation process um, and like, I don't know, getting a lot more detailed, making it more up to date all of the time. I think it would put pressure on us on that end of the process rather than like in the, the interview process. Yeah, I also, I don't know, I this might be like a spicy take on this, but not every designer has a portfolio. Like I mm -hmm. don't really have a portfolio right now. I have friends who are interviewing and they don't have what we define as a portfolio, like an online website with like case studies and projects. Uh, you know, I have, I, I know people who are getting interviews based not necessarily on their portfolio, but on their work experience, like where they've worked or like how long they've been in the industry. Uh, and I do think those are important too. And like, yeah, you know, reasons to interview someone or to, to hire someone. Uh, so I would agree that I don't think it's fully the portfolio. And I think it is possible to, to get an interview and to get a job without the portfolio, although a lot more difficult. Do you think that that experience and like time in the industry, companies you've worked for, 
is that enough to hire on alone or is that enough to get you the interview and you still need to like see their work see their process through a take-home assignment or a whiteboard challenge yeah i think the the second so i think i think it can be enough to get you the interview but then in the interview process at some point you need to show your craft and like your work Mm. and your projects um so whether that's in a portfolio presentation where you're presenting the work uh you know in a lot of cases people have it on their website so like either or at some point like there should be this body of work that i think should be assessed you know from the company uh and also for the the designer to have an opportunity to speak to it though i'm just putting a devil's advocate hat on now if the like if there's a designer has worked with these other impressive companies and like you as the hiring manager, you know, and respect them, you like know how their team operates and that, you know, this is, you know, if this designer has worked there, they're probably pretty solid. Why do you then need to see their craft? Is it not like you should be able to trust that, well, they've got this experience, so we should trust that they'll be able to do the same for us. Yeah. I think it's a really good question. And I, I think you can do that, but I think it could be more risky because just because they've worked at X company doesn't necessarily mean they're an amazing designer. Uh, even though I feel like the design industry, you know, makes it so. Uh, I think also mm-hmm. it's valuable for the company, I think, to get an insight into what their level of craft is. So like, it's not just like, do they have craft? It's like, what is the craft that they have? Uh, maybe it's like diving deep into their specific skill sets or like trying to understand where their strength is in design. Uh, and so for me, it's more about that conversation rather than like, does their craft exist in the first place? I hope that's clear. Yes. No, that makes a lot of sense because it's not like a checking the box. Like, yes, this person can design. Right. You know, that we can kind of trust based on experience, but it's like, what? type of design do they specialize in right like what value can they bring to the company what team would they be good on exactly you've got to figure all that out through the interview process as well um and again coming back to my point on that if we hired based only on portfolios a lot of people who perhaps don't have um maybe they've got one or two projects that are strong and the rest are kind of like eh you know being newer in the industry that happens a lot yeah um in this situation there's no way for someone who doesn't already have experience at a fancy company that's impressive to get the job, right? right. If we're just basing it on experience. If no one's heard of the company, then yeah. like, why would they take you over, over someone <laughs> yeah, else? That's There's no fair. chance for you to show, yeah, show your skills. So just wanted to like dispute that a little bit. But I see the reason that we do these take-home assignments more for getting a better idea of someone's process. Like, that's why I personally, when I ran my hiring process, we did do a take-home assignment. We did pay for it, though. And we we asked them to time box. And, of course, like you said, I hope, who knows. But we also asked them to tell us what trade-offs they made, like, to do with that time boxing. To, like, oh, try and make it clear, like, we want you to actually only spend four hours on yeah, it. Yeah. So please <laughs> tell us why you prioritized what you did and what you would do if you had more time, etc. Right. Um, so, yeah. Um, that little caveat aside, but we were doing that mostly to get a feel for how they work, right? Yeah. We, by this stage, it was late in the process. We already knew they had high quality of design craft, like standards, but we wanted to see, um, whose thinking would best fit with what we needed for the team. Um, yeah. Especially at a small company. I don't know. I see a lot of portfolios with these case studies that involve like, oh, well, the research team did this. And then I had 
two months to like do this wireframing and like you know it kind of happens at bigger companies that you get to spend longer and you have more resources. <laughs> it's true. And I'm like, okay, that's nice and all, but could you like thrive in our much smaller company environment where we don't have those resources and we have faster timelines? Yeah. And that's like why seeing someone's process can really help. And if I was asked to hire based only on case studies, I would be like, well, all these people, like it's all too involved and they would not thrive here. <laughs> Yeah, I'm curious, do you, does everybody get the take-home assignment or is it case by case depending on? I think we sent it to four candidates and that felt like a lot. Like, and that was because we just felt like we couldn't pare it down to three or two would have been probably more ideal. So it's like really late in the process. Um, that's one of the last steps. Uh, one of the last steps. Okay, okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, the reason I'm asking is when I interviewed at Uber, my so I kind of got to the end of the interview process and I didn't do a take-home assignment during that interview process. But then at the end they were like, "Oh, you know, we're 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 really excited about you, but we're just unsure about like, you know, your your process and like how you work. So we want to give you a take-home assignment." Wait, this was your first product design job, right? Yes, so, yes, yeah, that's true. Uh, this is five years ago or so at this point. And so, yeah, we're, we're really close. Like we're really excited about you, but there's just a few questions, basically boxes and yeah, questions that they still had boxes that needed checked. So they were like, look, we're going to give you a take home assignment. This is kind of the last step. Like let, let's take it from there. Um, and so to me, like, and what I saw after once I was actually on the inside of Uber, the take home assignment felt very case by case where it wasn't necessarily given to every interview candidate, but more if we were excited about someone, but there was just a box left to check or like a question still unanswered as like a final kind of opportunity to get that out of the candidate. I don't, I don't know what I think about that. Like, I, I mean, I, I guess some people might claim that's unfair because not everyone gets to do the take home assignment in that case. Um, we also only used it for like the junior levels. So we didn't have ah. take home assignments for more senior levels, which okay. I actually think I agree with. I feel like a senior designer should at that stage of their career have enough work experience and body of work and projects to showcase craft and process. Um, and I actually think as a senior designer now, if I were asked to do an, a, a, a take-home assignment in an interview process, I probably would have second thoughts about it. So yeah, I don't know. I'm curious what you think about those things, um, especially from like a manager perspective also. Well, I want to ask you a question first because I'm curious. <laughs> what did you? What did that interview process look like for the more senior designers instead? Was there was there a whiteboard exercise still? Like, was there some sort of like let's see your process, or was it mostly just share your process through a case study in a in a presentation? Yeah. So there's there's always the the presentation part, the portfolio presentation, and then for for seniors, I believe there was more of a like workshoppy uh, whiteboard kind of style. Okay. It was usually more with a product manager, so more like product and design kind of workshopping together on something, not the traditional like whiteboard challenge like. I think a lot of people think about, um, but more of like a workshopping session with product. Yeah, yeah. Again, so it's to hear the get a sense of their process, right, and and the way they think. Yeah, like how they would work through a problem. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's what exactly what our take home assignment was trying to yeah sort through as well. Mm -hmm. I I was thinking that like really trying to challenge myself to think. Okay, if I was to hire tomorrow and I couldn't do a take home assignment or whiteboard challenge as part of the process, 
How would I be confident that I was getting the right designer to draw my team? What could I do? And I think something I would do is want to see their Figma files, basically. Like, <laughs> okay, fine. You don't want to show me your process. I get that that's like, you know, we can't take the extra time to do that. But what we could do is you could send me a link to a file that already exists or yeah. show screenshots or whatever. I can see how you set it up, what your process looked like, how many iterations did you do? Um, how did you hand off to a developer and get a better feel, hopefully, for, for things there? Because I, I feel like sometimes what we put up as process in portfolios is so much neater and tidier than what it <laughs> really is, you know? Like, yeah yeah no you're right come sure. on yeah yeah it just it is right you're making it look fancier because this is your like putting your best face forward to the world i totally get that but it also makes it harder to know if you can really like how flexible you can be in your process i guess um because yeah like i was saying before when i see someone's case study who it's like every project starts with a like deep dive into personas and they've made these cards and i'm like that's great. I get the thinking behind it. You're not going to have time to do that here. Are you going to be able to design without like taking that week to do that at the start of every project? Yeah. Yeah. Some, there was a tweet, a reply to my tweet. I've totally lost it now, but somebody mentioned that they, instead of doing, I, I think it's instead of the portfolio presentation, but I can't fully remember. They basically asked candidates to make five minute loom videos of mm -hmm. their, their projects, by like constraining it to show the Figma file only. So like no fancy presentations, mm -hmm. uh, like literally five minutes, open up the Figma file for the project and just like talk through it at a super high level um, for each of their projects and then send that over like asynchronously. Uh, and I thought that was really interesting, like kind of removes the pressure of a presentation, but also gets to like showing the, the real raw process of the Figma file. Um, and I don't know, I'm becoming more and more of a fan of, of pre-recorded things. Like I also in the tweet, um, like I followed up with a, like, you know, question of like, how would we feel about pre-recorded portfolio presentations? Like think about the candidate is doing this presentation potentially five times a week at five different companies interviewing, um, you know, what if they were allowed to like send that over as a video file and maybe you watch it live together and they can pause it and answer questions. I know mm -hmm. a lot of people had concerns about that to my tweet, which I think are totally valid. Uh, but I think this, this notion of like sending over pre-recorded polished like videos or whatever it is, is interesting to consider. So yeah, I don't know what you think about that. And like, maybe it could be an option where it's like, hey, do you have a presentation video you can share? Or if not, we'll get on a call and we can go right. through it um, in an hour. Yeah. Because like either way, it's going to take your time. Yeah. I, I could see a whole like industry being spun up around that, honestly, of someone sort of acting as interviewer on the presentation so that the person filming feels like they're actually presenting to someone. I don't know. Yeah. Like there were some interesting replies to that suggestion of folks feeling like, uh, it would advantage people who like, you know, might take it the super extra mile and do a really high polished, high production kind of thing. <laughs> do they versus, mean design YouTubers like us? Yeah, maybe they do, maybe they do. Versus like people that maybe like don't know how to create a video in the first place. Like don't yeah, know how to yeah, record yep. don't, like, or mm -hmm. like just- Aren't confident on camera. Aren't confident yeah. on camera, like get too nervous or like, you know, do it 10 times and, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, like I can see that that could be an issue too. Someone like doing 10 takes and putting together the perfect video versus someone who just does it once, maybe not super well, but is done with it. 
so yeah, I don't know. I think it's it's just interesting. And I liked the five minute loom one uh, suggestion because that was very much like, here's the constraints of it. Like feels so much more casual. Yeah, like intentionally it's supposed to be like low production, just open up and talk about it. So thought it was interesting. Yeah, I'm just scrolling the replies now and I'm seeing someone talking about how... Um like a problem with the current process is that they say you should actually read our portfolio instead of making us present the same information. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, one, I get it. You kind of have a point, but also have you seen how long some case studies are? Like a hiring manager who is probably getting on calls with like dozens of designers is not reading every single word of all four, you know, 10,000 word case studies on your website. And you shouldn't expect them to. You should make your portfolio skimmable. We've talked about this before so that they can get the gist without having to read every single word and so that's just one way that I feel like portfolios would have to change if we really wanted to do away with some parts of these process like you've got to tell your story in a much shorter format to make it easier for the hiring manager to to actually see read about your process right yeah I also feel like the presentation isn't just about you talking about the case study it's also about how you talk about it your storytelling skills like can you present work in a clear and concise way like it's more than just like telling us the information that we could read on the website uh and yeah this has gotten me thinking like I do feel like the content in a case study on a website should be different from the content in a presentation in an interview setting Mm. um Mm -hmm. you know it's a different presentation format suddenly you're doing slides instead of a long like you know, internet page, uh, and the audience could be different. And so thinking about like how to deliver the same story in a different way, um, I think warrants different content and different ways of presenting the information. So yeah, I think it's more than just saying the same thing that's on the website. Yeah, that makes sense. I think what I'm coming around to, to like coming around to my opinion on this, cause I still don't know the answer right to, to solving this problem. But I think I really like that Uber did take home assignments on a case by case basis. Mm. I think that instead of like having a strict structure for, okay, well, this is the hiring process and we have to do this for everybody. You should instead have like criteria and like questions that you need answered for each potential candidate. Right. And if some one candidate can show the like can answer those questions through their portfolio, through a conversation, through sharing a Figma file then great that's that box checked like the criteria should be the box that gets checked not the like process itself if that makes sense yes I think that makes sense and I think that's kind of how I've seen it too is like there's this criteria like ideally their portfolio hits the criteria if it doesn't but we're still really excited about this person let's give them the opportunity to show that skill that's missing through something like a take-home assignment Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like that has worked well, although I do agree that like take home assignments in themselves also need work. Like, you know, they shouldn't be done for free and like it shouldn't be a challenge that's related to the company because then you're just doing free work for the company and so on and so on. So I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done there, but I do think that there is a time and a place for them. Yeah. And I actually think that take home assignments should be related to the company. I don't think they should be an active project that the company is really working on. Right. But I I think that, I mean, I'm not looking to see you take on a random challenge. I want you to see your process for tackling one that is actually one we would might face here at ConvertKit, right. for example. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that would be my thinking on that. But also that definitely they should be paid because it's, 
you know someone spending their time to help you with your hiring process essentially even if at the, the end of it it's going to help them too because they're going to get a job if, if they pass through it yeah but, hopefully it's a win-win yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah but still i think being paid is good and that that constraint of having to pay people for it means you're more selective about you're making sure that if you're giving someone a take-home assignment you are really serious about them progressing and like being a potential candidate for the job. It shouldn't be like a first step. Oh, you've applied, do this assignment, then we'll talk. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. One of my friends who is interviewing right now is asking for a soft offer from companies before Mm -hmm. doing the whole like five hour interview process. You know, when you come on for a day and you do your portfolio presentation and so on and so on. curious what you think about that i think it is interesting what does it mean a soft offer it's basically like my understanding of it is like just being super transparent around what the salary would be the benefits like the range of the salary the benefits the kind of equity you might expect so like i guess a bit more transparency up front on like the these are the things that make up the the compensation package and like here's how excited we are or confident we are so far in you uh like if you can just show this this then like you know we can't confirm that we'll we'll give you an offer but like we're feeling pretty confident and pretty excited about you um so yeah i think it's interesting especially in cases where uh like maybe the company has reached out to you and asked you to apply uh it could be an interesting tactic but yeah i don't know what do you think about this yeah again this is like a case-by-case basis thing right because if if a company's reached out to try and recruit you then i think that you hold more power yeah you know they should they should respect that i 100 percent agree that you should not be spending a lot of time without knowing what the compensation will be Mm -hmm. because what if you go through a a take-home assignment a five-hour interview process right and then they're like, oh, yeah, and by the way, the salary is this. And you're yeah, like, yeah. oh, shit, that was a complete waste of my time. That is not living up to my expectations. Right. Yeah, companies need to just be more forthright with that information. Absolutely. Um, and, like, good on your friend, honestly, for, like, <laughs> asking for a soft offer. I don't know if I would have the courage, but that does inspire me. <laughs> I mean, like, maybe maybe the language you could use could be different because I guess soft offer does sound very, very gutsy. But, uh yeah, I think just generally maybe the, the, the takeaway here is like in early parts in the, of the interview process, trying to get a sense of like what it is you could maybe expect and like if that aligns with your expectations, where you want to go in your career before sinking the like five, eight hours into this whole interview process and then being disappointed in, in what they can offer at the end. So yeah, interesting to think about. Also, the way you said expectations there reminded me something else that I saw people say and I thought like whoa is that not standard absolutely that should be standard is setting expectations for what the interview process is oh yes so that even as you're applying for the job you know if I get like um an answer back if I pass through the you know the initial um application round this is what I can expect to happen next like this is essentially what I'm um, as the process yeah signing up for if I'm going to apply for this job yeah why don't companies do that I like, don't know, but they seem to yeah. not do that very often. <laughs> yeah, that seems like it should be easy. Come on, companies. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. Uh, yeah, so I think the conclusion is that maybe something needs to change, but we're not exactly sure <laughs> of the solution to it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I wonder if, if we're going to see a shift with like, I, I get the sense right now that it's more 
designers interviewing companies rather than the other way around uh, because there are so many jobs and the designers are in such high demand that I almost feel like companies have to convince designers at this point why they should join your company and not the other one that's in their inbox. Uh, so yeah, it's a hot time. Uh, I'm curious to see what, if anything, might change out of this process. Yeah. My guess is that what changes is that the process becomes a little bit more customized. Um, mm. Yeah, based on the designer and what they've, what you've already seen from them. And we stop following a process rigidly and instead like be flexible when needed, whether that's because you've already seen the answer to something, whether that's because a designer needs like some accommodations to like better um, enable them to contribute to the inter interview process. I think that's what I would like to see happen in an ideal world. Last question. Do you find that the additional steps of like take home assignments uh, make the interview process too long? Like has that slowed down your hiring in the past or not really? Mm, no, because we did that assignment for a reason. Mm. Like there was still questions that we wanted to see answered. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I saw a lot of people also argue, well, maybe you shouldn't do an assignment. Maybe we should just hire who you think is going to be the best and then you can fire them if they don't oh. work out. <laughs> and I was like, oh God, I mean, oh, technically you could, but that doesn't seem like a good solution for no. anyone involved. I agree. Like maybe apart from someone entering the industry, getting their first job, who doesn't have to quit something else to like right. start this one. Yeah. But as a hiring manager, I feel a lot of responsibility around a hire that I make. That I'm like, I want to be sure, like to the best of my knowledge, that this person is going to pass their probation and they're going to do well here. I don't want to, you know, set them up to quit a job and then come to us and then we let them go. That's not fun. So yeah, because it's so from what I hear, it's expensive to hire too. It's so much time. Yep. Like if you're going to every yep. three months fire someone and do the whole process again, finding candidates, interviewing, getting in the offer, getting them started, like that is expensive in time and cost. So yeah, I don't agree with that either. I think it's better to put the upfront effort into making sure this person is going to do well rather than letting them in anyway and figuring it out later, which could be more expensive in the long run. Yeah, and maybe that's a, a version of the process that could work for larger companies that have like, I don't know, more people working the on onboarding and like, yeah. a, you know, like a, a smooth system for that. But for a small company and like small team like mine, that just absolutely would not work. <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough. Well, thanks for starting this um, debate, Fem. Oh, yeah, you know um, me, just here uh, yeah. putting out some spicy tweets. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> Hot take is your middle name. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Where should people go to listen to more episodes of Design Life that are perhaps not as spicy as this, but but still interesting and useful? Yeah, you can go to designlife.fm. You can also tweet us. We're at designlife.fm. If you have a spicy tweet you want to share, too. yeah, just tag or us. Or that you want to tag us in. Yeah, tag yeah. us in the like design hot topics you would like to see us get involved in. Yes. I'm ready to wade into that tea. Yes, <laughs> we would. we would love to. So yeah, feel free to find us there. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.